0: <laughs> back.
1: (laughs) We'll be right back. This is the aftermath episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. It feels like it has been an absolute eternity since we have taken the air and talked to some Cincinnati Bengals. We decided to take a little break of our own late last week, and then we pushed this episode, which is normally a Monday episode. It was a little bit of personal issues, but it was also uh, made a little more sense. To push it, uh, based on what we saw last night on the Monday Night Football game, the, the Bengals' next upcoming opponent, the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to talk about the things that the Bengals need to change the most going forward in, uh, out of the bye rather, and then of course the opponent coming up a little bit, we'll do a preview, then we plan on doing another show later this week. I'm Anthony Cosenza, by the way. If you're new, hi, welcome. We love We love new people. We love our regulars. We love our new people. So hi, welcome. And he is the man, the myth, the legend, John Sheeran. John, what's going on, buddy?
2: Doing well, man. It's nice to be refreshed. When the team's on a bye, we can take one as well, if you will, to kind of regroup, reset, and just have a nice Sunday to chill and not have to worry about working too hard or analyzing anything. Just watching the entire AFC North, at least two of them, eke out wins, and then one of them just absolutely (laughs) steamroll an opponent and then a very interesting Monday night game featuring like you said the team that the Bengals are about to play you have the Bengals coming off of essentially 13 days rest and the 49ers now are on a short rest and they're traveling back home they're already back in San Clara after they were in the Midwest a lot of things going on right now but yeah we're back feels good
1: they did they are traveling back and on a short week but John they are probably going to play or a lack of better words, a pissed-off brand of football because they were the darlings of the NFL at five and zero, oh, and now all of a sudden the national talking heads are saying, "Has Brock Purdy lost it? Has he lost the magic, Brock Purdy?" Uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit here. Let's let's start things off with reviewing the first six games from the Cincinnati Bengals, the big issues, and what need. What are some of the, uh, the elements that you think need to be fixed? most immediately as the Bengals go through. Because look, it's we've talked about it a bunch. It's the Niners, it's the Bills, two against the Steelers, another on the road in Baltimore, on the road in Kansas City at the end of the year. There's a lot of tough games in this stretch. So the Bengals need to start playing a notch, if not a couple of notches better than they have been this first month and a half of the year.
2: I mean, it's it's late October, right? The World Series is on. We're seeing the best that the MLB has to offer. Imagine a starting pitcher, an ace for you know whatever team is like you know like Aaron Nolan right for the Phillies. Imagine if he doesn't have his fastball, how tough is that going to be for the Phillies and just any team in this situation? If they're if they're ace, if you don't have your fastball, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. The Bengals don't have their fastball right now. Their fastball is just this connection between Burrow. And not only Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins as well. When it's off in just one aspect, like the entire offense just doesn't operate as efficiently as it could be. And that's just been an issue for the first six weeks. The the Cardinals game was phenomenal to see. It was against a secondary that didn't have like its best player in Buda Baker. And the Cardinals in general just aren't that impressive. But it was nice to see Burrow look like himself and be on time with his receivers and everything. But for the most part, the early parts of the season, the passing offense has not been up to snuff, whether that's Burrow's injury, lack of reps with some of his new receivers, whatever the case may have been, the offense not adjusting properly with his injury, or just having that re occur two weeks into the season. When the Bengals passing offense is not at the top of the league, it's just... So much it just makes things so much more difficult. It puts more pressure on a run game that doesn't have an explosive outlet that at least they can trust. Maybe it's Chase Brown. It's probably not Chris Evans at this point at three, you know three years into his career, whatever the wh- whatever it is, like we just haven't seen it. And it's just harder to get that when you don't have a passing attack that threatens the deep parts of the field. The Bengals need their fastball back, they need their efficient passing game to return to its consistent form. And that starts with just Burrow just being himself. And that was the whole hope for getting to this point, surviving the initial storm of the first six weeks, three and three is about the worst that they could possibly be in order for there to still be hope for the remainder of the season. But now you have Burrow who's now at least four weeks removed from his setback against the Ravens. He looks okay. He looks as good as he's possibly going to be. We need him. They need him to play as, as well as possibly can.
1: Yeah, that's really kind of the the, the big key, the, the missing component. I mean, there's a lot of other things we can touch on and we probably will touch on. But, I mean, that is the big component is Burrow playing, you know, top-level ball that we've become accustomed to because, you know, whether it's because of the health, the calf, um, you know, missed time in the summer, all that kind of stuff. It, it, here's the thing too, John. I, I think a big key for me, and it ties into what you were just talking about, Uh, This is a very, I don't don't think they lost their confidence, Um, at least not wholly, holistically speaking, I guess. I I do think there's a little bit of a shell shock or a little bit of a surprise maybe within the walls of that, uh, of Paycor Stadium and in the, the walls of that locker room because they're like, man, you know, this isn't, this isn't us. This is not who we are. Uh, we're You know, we're not a team that puts up only three points in two games, in two of the first six games. That's just not us. So I think Burrow playing better, yes, that's the big key. And with that comes increased confidence as a team. And with that, then that's when you get on the, what was it, the 10 game win streak, the 12 game win streak last last year, when all of a sudden things are going right. And you have this belief that even if you fall down, you're, you know, you're, you're, down pretty big in a game. Remember the Patriots game? Remember the Buccaneers game? I remember how weird those games were last year, Uh, particularly the Buccaneers game. Uh, You know, there was just this belief that, hey, we've seen our offense surge. We've seen them. we've, We've scored points in a flurry a bunch of times already. Let's go do it again. And they did. This year, it just feels like there's a little bit more Oh, man, are, you know, are we going to be able to let's, let's, you know, we got to figure this out. We got to get this thing going. And so I think tying into your need for Burrow to play at the high level, we've all be, become accustomed to. I think also with that, this team needs some swagger back. It needs its confidence back. I think you've seen periods of it, elements of it in a couple of these last uh, couple of games, particularly against Arizona when they were pulling out a little more, deep balls and trick plays and that sort of thing that comes with that too, but they need uh, to, to kind of have some confidence. Yeah. But also look like show a semblance that you're having some fun out there. Uh, you know, some of these games, it, it just looked like it was, you know, a lot of looking at each other and what's going on and not a lot of smiling, not a lot of energy. And that's something that we've all also seen from this team in this offensive unit. So I think it all kind of ties together.
2: That's a good point. I think, when he got hurt like he's been hurt before he's suffered injuries obviously and he's overcome them um this was different in the sense that it was clearly plaguing him for an extensive period of time and it wasn't it wasn't something that's like oh okay there's like a clear there's a clear end point in terms of just when he was going to be fine we just didn't know when that was and I don't think he really knew when that was it was always just going to be taking it one week at a time i think it was even more of a, of a mystery compared to recovering from total knee reconstruction where, you know, he battled through training camp in the first couple of weeks, but there was a clear linear, almost progression in terms of him getting back. This has been so up and down that I think it's all kind of made us realize that for as talented as he is, he he's a human and he presses just as much as anyone would, In that situation, no matter how cold blooded we we like to think that he is, he makes mistakes and he tries to push himself in in ways that can sometimes, you know, not lead to the best results. So I I think that's just something that maybe he's learned. Maybe we've all kind of learned about him as well. And it's led to the ups and downs of these first six weeks. Just any sense of stability, I think, would, would benefit this team in terms of just the expectation level now. Like, if they expect the borough that earned a $55 million a year contract to just walk out there for the next 11 weeks, they have a shot in all 11 games. And that's that was the case with last year, right? He was playing like one of the, if not the best quarterback in the league for the second part of the 2022 season. And the offense just worked around that just cohesively. It wasn't. It wasn't like the greatest, you know, rushing attack, but it was like fifth or fourth in success rate, just because like it was just consistent and it, it just flowed together. The offense was completely in sync after not being in sync for the first however many weeks of the of the of the twenty twenty two season. It, they're in that similar funk this year as well, but for almost a completely different reason because they just they just didn't really know what to expect out of their quarterback. And now I think after a week's after a week off and just him presumably doing what he can to just make sure that cap is as close to hundred percent as possible. I I think they're, they're about as close to that as they've been all season.
1: It's an interesting, another interesting facet you bring up about Burrow, who he is and, you know, the high level of belief in himself because of what he has proven already. And just the high level of confidence that he exudes. There's a little bit, it kind of reminds me a little bit, but in a different way of, Brett Favre, where Favre was a guy who believed that he could fit any ball into any window because of his arm strength, because of his release. And oftentimes he made amazing throws. And You're going, there's like maybe three other people on this planet that could have made that throw, right? And other times it got him into trouble, right? He was the, he was the gunslinger. He was the guy that would throw a lot of interceptions and make kind of these wacky plays. Now Burrow isn't as careless with the football uh, as as Favre was at his peak and whatnot, but what I mean is, you know, there there is an element a little bit, especially when you see him, you know, run around the the defensive linemen that are grabbing at his ankles and he's dancing around, and he's doing little backyard football stuff. Um, there is a belief that he holds, and and he's earned it, but there is a belief that he holds that he can, you know, make the play, make every play, that sort of thing. Far more often than not, he does. But there is a little bit of an element of, hey, let's let's kind of just rein things in a little bit here and, you know, find find maybe either the safer play or the more sure play and make sure that you know exactly what you're seeing out there.
2: There is definitely a sense of just if if, if something's just not right in your lead up to the game and just your ability to practice, if just things aren't operating as well as they possibly could be. If if things are just out of whack in any sense, or in any sense, like it's it's going to affect you. And very very few players in history have been able to kind of overcome that. And Burrow is just he's just falls into that category of like, there's an adjustment here that I need to make, and it's not going to be perfect. Eventually, I will make that adjustment, but there's going to be some rough patches in it as well. And that's more more or less what we saw in those first six weeks. And now we're at a point where looking at the rest of the offense where does it go from here? How does it, how is it able to overcome the inefficiencies that's plaguing it right now? And a lot of it, I think comes down to the more that Burrow is able to do, the more you're allowed to open up the playbook, the more you're Uh able to go under center, the more diverse your run game can be, the more play action opportunities you can have. And that's the biggest question to me, Anthony, because for the first three years of Burrow's career, he's been known like the numbers just really just prove this. When you look at his play action splits compared to non-play action, it's not a really a comfort zone for him. It never really has been. It wasn't really, a, he, he was never under center at LSU, which when, at least when Joe Brady was there in 2019, he doesn't like turning his back to the ball, but that was something that they were clearly trying to hammer in during the off season. And part of that was also in shotgun too, but the more plays that you can run out of different formations and different personnel groupings, the, the better, more unpredictable your offense is going to be. So I I wonder when we start to see more of those concepts kind of come out from the, the depths of this playbook that were just hidden away in the first six weeks when they weren't trusting Burrow to take long dropbacks with that calf, because I think only then will we see the offense tr- like truly open up in ways that we kind of expected it. But I, I don't know if it starts this week against San Fran. I don't know if it's just a gradual lead up to that but even even if even if that's the case like this is something that i think is going to be you know these are newer concepts to burrow that he was hammering home and and, install and everything like that but now you're in the meat of the season and your backs are up against the wall you're in last place how much that they throw out these new portions of the playbook or these portions that they haven't executed in actual game situations that's gonna be really fascinating to me
1: yeah really the the only play actions we are seeing in some forms with the Cincinnati Bengals, is kind of the RPO stuff where he'll he'll you know pull it away and and then decide to throw from there. And while there is a lot of deception in plays like that, and it can kind of keep some defenses on their heels, uh, again we've talked about this a lot. It does It's just not. It's harder to sell. It's harder to sell play action out of shotgun in general. But it's also harder to you know if you're not if if you're not using diverse looks on offense, whether that is under center or whatever. I mean, you, you just kind of limit yourself. Um, And I, and I understand where Burroughs wheelhouse of strengths is, which is in shotgun, where you can really stand back and scan the field and look at everything pre-snap. Um, But I mean, at some point, I think they're going to need to be able to prove that they can have some semblance of efficiency doing doing a couple of different things you don't have to go you know all over the map and do all kinds of different things at super high levels but if you can kind of mix it up a little bit and mix up your looks mix up you know what you're doing before the snap if you could do that a little bit i think it's gonna uh, i mean it just makes you that much more potent and harder harder to, to defend
2: it, it's been over a, a year of hearing the same thing about the run game in, in terms of like you need to be able to make that safety creep up into the box with the threat of the run, or you need to be able to make the defense pay by having both safeties back there. And it's, the, it's just been a struggle for over a year because defenses just aren't really afraid. And when the, the, the very few times when that safety does creep up into the box, the Bengals immediately go into their deep shots. And, and most of the time they haven't worked for whatever reason, whether it's burrowers receivers, the only way that they can, hope to make those safeties pay right now is by just changing things up in the run game. Instead of just jamming Joe Mixon down into the a gap out of shotgun, you know, 10 to 15 times a game for three yards in a cloud of dust that they, they need. They need more answers there. It's the only way I think to really open things up in the passing game that people are clamoring are possible via play, play calling changes. I, I truly think that better execution out of the run game, leading from different looks in the run game can open up more vacancies in the passing game. It can allow these these concepts to work because you're putting coverages in a bind now because safeties don't really know whether they should creep up or not. And then and then you're just putting the, the defense coordinator on their heels. Because right now I think DCs are kind of just just doing what, what they want to do in terms of just not really straying from their game plans and everything like that. Because again, like I don't think that they truly fear the Bengals run game, even if it does, you know, even if it generates some movement here and there. Like th- there's this offense just is in dire need of explosive plays, and part of that comes from the ability to just put defenses in a bind. And defenses just aren't really respecting that right now.
1: So the other thing that people are clamoring for, John, uh, it, it, potential trades for the for the Bengals. I mean, the, the deadline's coming up here. I mean, they're talking about. Well, let's let's set that to the side of the table just for a minute you mentioned something that needs to change, obviously some difference in the running run game, attack run game plan. And that may or may not include mixing in more Chris Evans, Travion Williams, Chase Brown. Um, I, I don't know where you stand necessarily on that. I don't think it could hurt as long as it's, they are plays designed to w- definitely work to those players, respective strengths and, um, the other element, I think, also we can agree that the Bengals need more out of, uh, and granted he's had some some injuries and stuff. Uh, well, a couple of players have had a couple of injuries that I'm going to talk about, but uh, they need more out of the tight end position, potentially, and they need more. Um, they, need, they need T. Higgins to look like the old T. Higgins that we all know and love. Um, so, I, I mean, those are all things that have to change, and I know the defense is an imperfect unit as well. We're, we're banging on the offense because that's the easy target given the lack of points and all that, the, the defense is an imperfect unit. They're more boomer bust on that side of the ball. Um, so they need to shore up some things there too. But that being said, particularly when you're talking about running back, and I'm seeing some stuff in our live chats and everything, running back, tight end, I, we got texts from, uh, I think, Ken in, in, uh, in South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, we, we've got all kinds of stuff coming our way about, trades and trade for a running back trade for a tight end maybe a defensive lineman that sort of thing do you think that that is I mean I I think we would all say yeah that'd be great but do you think that that's the true they gotta do that or do you think that's more like hey we we just got to give some of these guys a little bit more time this bye week's gonna be exactly what everybody needed and let's let's hit this thing running on the back end here
2: I'm on the fence, to be honest with you. Um, starting with running back, Samaje Pirine is like the popular name for obvious reasons. Denver is not very good. They could stand to trade away some players for any and all draft mm-hmm. capital. I, I only bring him up because, I mean, he's twenty-eight, twenty. I think he's twenty-eight, and you assume that there's that you know there's going to be some type of a drop off in terms of how much that he can do. And can he replicate the same success that he had with the Bengals? I, I think that there was an expectation that his production in the passing game could be replicated by not just one guy, but three different guys uh, playing along with Mixon, Travion Williams, Chase Brown, and Chris Evans. As a trio combined in the first six games, they have 13 yards on eight receptions compared to, this was before this week, so this doesn't add in what Pirine did on Sunday. Pierre entering this past week had 17 receptions and 184 yards, including nine missed tackles forced. Um it doesn't it's it's not going to be very surprising but the trio of Williams, Brown and Evans have yet to force a missed tackle with the ball in their hands as a receiver. So like that aspect is just non-existent. There were so many chunk plays that the Bengals were able to get with Samashi Pirine Piran at, at the flats or on the swing passes, sometimes even screens. he scored on a screen yeah. pass in the FC Championship game against the Chiefs. Like that was that was a more important part of his impact than just even pass protection. That was he was more involved as a receiver than a pass blocker. And that's an area that the Bengals have sorely missed. So I, I think Like the hope is like if Chase Brown is just useless as a receiver, then that pick just becomes even worse. It's obviously way too early to gauge if that's going to be the case. So if they're not going to go out and trade for a guy like P Ryan, I would hope that they just hammer down more opportunities for him because, you know, Mixon's been fine in that regard, but still like they need that extra spark. So it's not all on him. Obviously the more you put on his plate, the more he's going to, you know, break down and wear down as the season goes on. So I, I'm really on the fence with with running back with tight end. Like at at this point, yeah, I would I would try to see what what you can get or, or what you can find in terms of maybe a tight end who's like on an expiring contract or whatnot. Because at this point, if whether it's Tanner Hudson or Irv Smith, I think you kind of expect like minimal results, and that 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 stinks. But You know, at the end of the day, Irv Smith was signed here on essentially a veteran minimum contract. So it's not like it's a huge, huge fail It's a very low risk, um, potentially high reward type of acquisition. And, you know, most of the times that's not always going to lead to a a complete surplus in value or anything. So whatever they decide to do there, like, I think I I think it's, it's going to just maybe net out the same. And, yeah, they really need help on defense tackle, too, because I don't know. I, I don't think there's just much that Zach Carter can offer at this point, unless he just takes this massive leap out of nowhere. That's a
1: really eye opening set of statistics you just set forth in terms of the reserve running backs. And, you know, we can talk about the loss of Jesse Bates. We could talk about the unexpected loss of Von Bell. We can talk about, um, you know, Hayden Hurst leaving and that leaving a bit of a void at tight end as well. I, Oddly enough, at the time I was like, eh, I mean, I was bummed to that the Bengals lost Samaj P. Ryan, but at the time I said, Well, I mean, it's it in in truth, it is a backup running back. I mean, there are some some losses, and they'll have to come up with some things to make up with that. And I thought maybe by committee they could recreate what he brought. And you the disparity of statistics tells me that I was a dummy for thinking that because I You you if you think back to it's not just when P Ryan came in when Mixon missed those handful of games I think with the concussion last year where it was that first Chiefs you know the regular season Chiefs game where he was in there and just absolutely destroying Justin Reed in that game and you know there uh, countless other things and then it's also the pass protection element that he brings now Travion Williams I I think there's been some stats thrown out where he's looking pretty good in pass pro when asked but again those the snaps are limited there. And the offensive statistics from that group, Evans, Williams, and Brown, are extremely limited. So now we look at this and you say, man, arguably, if you expected Bates to be gone. So that's, you kind of just said, okay, well, that's going to happen. You didn't really expect Von Bell. You, you kind of thought Hayden Hurst was going to be gone. And then, of course, you look at Piran, and that was a surprise there. So, uh, you, you look at it, and granted, Bates is probably their biggest loss. I, I get it. But there's an argument to be made there, especially with the offense struggling in the way that it has. And that set of statistics that you just set forth to say P Ryan was a massive, massive loss, even though the, the numbers in the stat sheet that he brought weren't astronomical. He was a good outlet in the passing game, an able pass protector, and like you said, the missed tackles. That is a huge key. And a factor that has, you know, as much as I like Joe Mixon, that has been a problem for him previously in his career, getting those missed tackles and or getting out of first contact. And so now they're there. It reveals a problem in this offense that I don't think a lot of us have really taken a deep dive on.
2: It's shocking, to to be honest with you, like not. I don't want to dismiss who P Ryan was or remains to be with the Broncos because he's clearly can still play at least as a receiver. Mm-hmm. It's just that he was never that special of an athlete, and you figure you know with another year, uh, you know more what you know tread on less tread on the tires or whatnot. Like that would be slowing down, and they could at least somewhat replicate that production. The fact that they are not even anywhere close to that with three guys who are all younger and you know even more athletically capable is just just staggering to me. So. I I think that there's more that Chase Brown can do, and I think he had he had one and like a an little impressive run after the catch against the Seahawks. So I think just more exposure for him, just giving him more opportunities to see if one kind of hits, and then he may, maybe he gets some confidence because he's far too good of an athlete to not be an asset there. But yeah, man, just be, just with the offense dealing with similar issues in terms of just you know Burrow not really finding any space down the field and having to go to yeah. these you know um, underneath options the ability to get more yards than expected in those situations was so crucial in keeping the offense ahead of the chains. It just eliminates prime pass rushing opportunities, makes the offensive line better. It opens up what you can do with the run game to maybe convert second yes. and third and shorts. It all kind of works together, man. It was just like P- what Pirine did. It, it, you would think it's not as valuable in terms of like we can't replicate this, but clearly it's just, it, it was a lot more valuable than we, we, took it credit for it with that we we made it seem to be
1: yeah i mean an eight yard catch from him on a second and ten that all of a sudden changes the complete complexion of a drive and then the one element you did not and everything you said definitely rings true in terms of how it opens things up and makes things easier and then all of a sudden you have a guy that is proven to be capable as a guy in the flat a pass uh, you know a receiver a back out of the flat that sort of thing all of a sudden there's a little more attention going that way when that person goes out for a pass and then lo and behold, maybe there's a little less coverage on your other, answer, you know, the boundary weapons and whatnot. So that is a, a big, big key. And I think, you know, right now, I'm not saying that any of these three do not have the ability to be a true solid number two back like P. Ryan was. But right now, the way that the snap distribution is going, the way that the statistical out output is going, you have mixing as a one and then you've got a lot of threes and fours. You don't have it. You don't have a two. And so you need to figure out, I think that is a major, major key that the Bengals need to figure out this week going into this back half of the schedule. The good news, and and I think this is a good transition for our next topic here, talking about the 49ers and what's been going on with them lately. But the good news is, while there are a lot of tough teams, John, on the Bengals schedule coming up out of the bye, Buffalo just lost to a bad Patriots team, right? Niners have lost two in a row. Chiefs still look pretty good, but I'm not seeing the absolute huge firepower that I've seen in the past couple of years on offense. I've seen a little bit, a little bit more vulnerabilities. They're still a very, very, very good team. Ravens, you know, they're, I think they're five and two, but they've had a couple of weeks where you go, what, what is this? The Browns are, are this, uh, you know, and, and the Steelers are the same way. And I think You know, I didn't watch all of those games in their entireties, but I think, you know, the Browns and the Steelers were benefactors of some favorable officiating decisions in in some of those games. But regardless, this division is cannibalizing itself and it's all within a game, two games of each other. Last week did not do the Bengals any favors in terms of all the other teams in the division winning, but there are vulnerabilities being shown from even the strongest of teams on this backside of the schedule
2: we've just seen the past two weeks that there's like maybe one or two confirmed really good teams in the NFL and every, every team has its warts and every team kind of goes through its lulls throughout the season. I think the bills have really started to fall from grace in terms of just an offense. And even on defense, they're giving up like the fifth or like the fifth or fourth, most explosive plays, um, which is just shocking to me considering that the pass rush is really good. Uh, the Ravens, though, like <laughs> that, that that game against the Lions, I think was a real statement. And I think it's more yeah. of a it, it's more of an indication of where that they are trending. They're clearly the best team in this division. The Steelers and Browns are somehow forward to despite every metric kind of saying that they shouldn't be. And that kind of tells you of, you know, either the collapse is going to come later this season or it's not going to translate into next season. So we'll just have to wait and see about that. Uh, but right ahead of us, you have the 49ers who have a quarterback, Anthony, that is the biggest enigma in the league to me. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what to what to say about Brock Purdy other than he does things that clearly put him ahead of the bottom tier quarterbacks. He makes a handful of quality throws. Every single week, that I don't see from like the quarterbacks who are consistently struggling, who don't have a real long term place in the NFL. And at the same time, he makes the stupidest decisions. He's, I think, fourth in the league in terms of turnover worthy play percentage. And that didn't translate to interceptions during the first five weeks when he had like five of those type of throws. He's had five of those type of throws in the past two weeks, and they've resulted in three interceptions. So that is a case, I think, of just regression coming back to the mean for him. But also, it's a sense of if you can capitalize on those mistakes, you have a roster that's comprised of like six truly, not maybe not generational, but some generational, elite talents throughout that roster at completely different positions being spearheaded by this quarterback that looks really good when the game script is in his favor and the pass rushes off of his face. But when things start to break down and you are able to get a lead, on this team he kind of looks like just another guy being propped up by a bunch of elite weapons so the the 49ers I think entering these past couple of weeks looked like that juggernaut that was going to just steamroll into this into the NFC championship game with another matchup against the Eagles but they've they've shown that if you can somehow nullify Nick Bosa in that pass rush and get a lead on Brock Purdy he kind of turns into a pumpkin
1: last week I watched the Bengals Seahawks game along with one of my best friends uh, and he is a Niners guy and we're actually going to the game this, this Sunday. So, uh but you know, against the Browns, he, he was kind of, I don't want to say he was firing off excuses, but he was saying, Hey, it's bad weather, inexperienced quarterback. You know, I think it was, it was wet and rainy against the, in Cleveland and he was making some errant throws that you don't normally see him make. And now you've, you've, you know, last night, I think, he had what two interceptions last night i think and uh two
2: very bad interceptions
1: yeah yeah so you start to see and you go okay well is this just like you said you know maybe some things just aren't going right for him and he'll 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 be back to kind of the magic that he was able to capture last year or now john do you say that this kid who was i believe Mr irrelevant right when he was when he was drafted is it like you said how did you word it? The regression going back to the mean type of thing. Yeah. Uh, is it is it that, or is it now also that he's got about a season's worth of of tape or so at this point? You know, he's got a slate of games that teams can study and watch and look at to find out how can they affect him. How can they? How can we get him uncomfortable? How can we get? And he's still young, obviously. So all of this is kind of mishmashing together additionally John no Debo Samuel I believe he's going to be uh, Adam Schefter reported yeah, he's out. that he's going to be out again for the Bengals that is a huge weapon because he's not only a great receiver but he does all kinds of things with you know end arounds and sweeps and shovel pass I mean everything so that's a, a security blanket that this young quarterback doesn't have you know and then they've got some other injuries and, and things across the board there so I think the defense, which was uh, still looked pretty swarming in, in some capacities yesterday. Who was it? Was it Jimmy Ward? Who was on Jordan Addison? Uh, I, I don't remember who the cornerback was, who was covering Charverius. 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 Ward, right sorry. Yeah. Um, he was a mess last night. I mean, he, I, I, you you could have called five penalties on him on, uh, on, on Addison. And, and so when the defense, it is kind of a guy to me that, a lot of things got to go well. a lot of things have to go well. he has to play within this really really good team that the 49ers have built and when things are going at least pretty well to really well, he's awesome. when things when the when the niners aren't creating the turnovers, when they're when they get give up a lead that sort of thing, that's when things start at least these last couple of weeks, that's when things have started to look a little tenuous.
2: all of that being said, this was somehow shocking to me, even though it shouldn't have been. This is the team that's won 17 out of their last 18 games at home. They're currently riding an 11-game home winning streak. The last team to beat them, shocker, was the Kansas City Chiefs 366 days ago to this recording. And that loss disrupted a six-game home winning streak for them. So yeah, they don't man. lose in Santa Clara very often. And it's not its not shocking, man. Like Again, when you have Christian McCaffrey Trent Williams, Fred Warner, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, all playing up to their potential at the same time on the, in the same jersey. It is really hard to stop all of those guys from making monumental impacts throughout a 60-minute game. One of the injuries, though, that, that you brought up, Trent Williams, he didn't play against Minnesota. He didn't practice at all with an ankle injury. He suffered it at the end of the Cleveland Browns game. We don't know if he's going to practice this week. Yeah, but w- without him, that's a very very average offensive line. The right tackle, I think Colton Kivitz, he had a terrible game against Daniel Hunter, who is an athletic freak, but we've seen Sam Hubbard have his best games, particularly when the right tackle is the biggest liability, and that Mm -hmm. he tends to be a liability going up against quality edges. So a Sam Hubbard breakout game is is in store here. There's just just a lot that still needs to go right, though, I think is, is the bottom line here. Even when Purdy gets exposed and... Defenses capitalized on his mistakes. You still have Christian McCaffrey just a guaranteed touchdown for 16 games, which is absurd. When the when the 49ers need George Kittle to be a receiver, he can pop off as much as any tight end in the league. Nick Bosa, at the very worst, is like the fourth best edge rusher. And he's he constantly goes up against the right tackle. So that's Jonah Williams's responsibility for 60 plays in this game. The middle of that defense still with Javon Hargrave, Fred Warner. Fred Warner, to me, Anthony. I don't know if you if you, if you also see this. He's just the linebacker version of Troy Palomalo. I don't know if it was yep. because he just jumped over the line for the push push but he he is he's insane. He's Troy Palomalo, but taller and stronger. It, it's crazy. He's gonna end up in the Hall of Fame one day. There's just so many impact players on this team where it's like you still need to play a perfect game to beat the 49ers when they're struggling.
1: Something that struck me last night in watching the Uh, Monday Night Football with with Peyton and Eli I I kind of flipped back and forth to the standard telecast and Peyton and Eli and there was a moment when Bosa came off the field for a breather and Peyton said okay now right now is when you go to as an offensive coordinator as a quarterback you go to your play where it's literally Bosa's off the field play let's Uh, I mean, I I know that sounds elementary and simplistic, but there's probably only a handful of times that it happens. And that's uh, it clicked for me where I said that has to be a mindset for the Bengals because he'll probably get an impact play in this game of some kind because he is that good. When he comes off for a breather, if you're able to extend drives and that sort of thing, you have to be the margin of error in this game, I think is very, very thin. And the margin of opportunity for big plays and scores is going to be pretty thin as well. And so when a player like that takes a checkout, you got to find the play. That's like, Hey, we got to strike here. Um, Not necessarily 80 yard bomb, but something where you say, okay, we're going to extend this drive or we're going to make sure when he's out there, we're going to put ourselves in position to get points because that is going to be paramount for this, for this team. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I don't think and I didn't think it last last game when the Bengals only scored 17 and one um i I thought you know they would need to get easily into the mid-20s to beat the Seahawks and that wasn't necessarily the case but i, I I'm a, I'm going going down that road again you I, this the Bengals cannot score 17 points and in, in Santa Clara slash San Francisco and expect to come out of there for a win you got to be upwards of mid-20s high 20s plus to expect to come out of there with a win.
2: San Francisco, Santa Clara, Palo Alto—is that—is that a place? It's all up there.
1: Yeah, San Jose. Yeah. It's all up there. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. S- S- Sil- Silicon Valley, you know.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and like, I I hate I hate being that guy where it's like, are the foreigners really gonna lose like three in a row? But of course they they you know are like I it's like I don't I don't know like I I don't really like to abide in, in that. But there's definitely a sense of urgency. For them, like they want to keep pace with the, with the Eagles, I don't think they want to go back into Philadelphia for a potential NFC Championship game. I think they want to have the host that game on the West Coast. This is, you know, to them, it's it's that like they they got to have it, and it's right before their bye week, I, th- I think as well. Which is why I think Debo's sitting this one out just so he can have like the most rest time possible. That's another thing though, because like Debo is such a game breaker when he has the ball in his hands. He he, he it, it's. I don't really have a comparison for him. He's just so unique in terms of just when he gets the ball, he moves like a running back, but he's already 40 yards down the field with a full head of steam. And even, even with that being the case, like the one thing you can count on the 49ers for doing is just maximizing their skill position players. Like Jawan Jennings is playing at a really high level out of the slot. He's like a second-year guy who was a seventh-round pick or a fourth-year guy. Brandon Ayuk is finally emerging as that true wide receiver one, and he's arguably playing like one of the five best receivers in the NFL right now. And that's just the magic, I think, of Shanahan, just putting these guys in the best possible situations. But all that is coinciding with, you know, making sure that Purdy is in rhythm and, like, these passes are on time. And when they're not, that's when those mistakes can happen. But you don't want to be too aggressive to kind of, you know, get those guys off of their routes because they're just supreme athletes and they can make you pay, which is another thing with Bosa, too. I know like Dan the Man was talking about, you know, our Titans, the, the, the Titans aren't doing anything, so they might as well just chip Bosa Every single play Bosa is too good of an athlete to just fall into that trap for 40 passing plays like he's going to recognize when the tight end is going to try to chip him and he can just make him look like a fool and he can, you know, just bend around the outside or just come back to the inside. When Jonah Williams kind of oversets, eventually Bosa is going to break free and Burrow is going to have to be charged with getting out of a sack from his best friend. And that's going to be a huge thing, too. Like, I I think most managed to wreck the game the last time these two teams played back in 2021 and it greatly impacted how the Bengals called their offense towards the end of that game he had no sacks against kirk cousins i don't think that's going to be the case this time
1: There, uh, just to bring things also full circle from what we were talking about earlier this is a game where you go man samaj p ryan could could help samaj <laughs> p ryan could specifically help in this one as a as you know helping out a pass pro and obviously as a a quick outlet to negate some of the pass rush. So hopefully one of the Bengals running backs and potentially even tight ends as well are going to be able to be up to that task there. We're going to talk more about the 49ers this Thursday coming up um, as the Bengals uh, get set to go out west and face a very difficult team, a team that is pretty angry at the moment. And I think on the flip side, you may this Bengals team might be a little bit more um a little bit more angry than than we know or think based on how this first part of the season is and has gone and and maybe they feel like man we kind of cheated ourselves a little bit and so let's let's pick it up and we've we've noted this too John I think this this team also uh, thrives with with pressure or I mean we saw him last year it was hey this you know Super Bowl hangover Super Bowl hangover they're not going they're not going anywhere this year. And all of a sudden, they, they are, uh, what, a minute and a half away from going to the Super Bowl. So, um, I, you know, well, it's, I don't, I don't expect, and I, I did put out a schedule, you know, remaining schedule predictions post on Cincy Jungle, shameless self promotion there. But go check it out. You can tell me what a dummy I am. But I, I, I believe that this team will still make the playoffs. I do not, I am not planning on it being via a division title, uh, probably a wild card type of situation. And, um, you know, I I think this division is going to beat the hell out of each other going down the road. I think, I think it's going to be a really, really tough road to hoe, so to speak for, for all of these, for all of the teams in the division, but they have four more division games to play. You got to at least take three of them splitting with, you know, one, one from each team, obviously. Um, So I, that's got to be a goal for this back half of the schedule.
2: Yep. It's, it's going to be, it's just going to be a complete scrap with these four teams. Like you mentioned. (laughs) And I think just with the AFC in general, at this point, like you mentioned, you know, the chiefs don't look like a dominant force. And that's, I think that's just kind of just how they kind of just go through the season that like, they obviously pick things up along with the Bengals towards like December and January. But at this point, man, like, it, it's, it's such a stacked conference without, like, a truly elite team that as long as you're just in the dance, I think anything can happen. And that's, that's so cliche for most years. But I, I just truly think that any one of the teams who make the playoffs, except, except maybe, like, the Browns or the Steelers, have a legitimate chance of going to the Super Bowl. it could We could see a wildcard team representing this conference this year, and that could just be the Bengals. Like, it, it just it just could come down to just getting hot at the right time which again i just feel like i'm just spewing out cliches at this point but just really (laughs) just feels like what what the league is this year like it's just we're in such a weird weird type of period in terms of like defenses are starting to become dominant again and offenses don't really know how to how to counteract aside from this tush push and yeah it's just i don't like there's there's just so much that we've yet to learn and we're already seven weeks in it's fascinating to me yeah
1: yeah. We don't know exactly who everyone is at this point in time, but as the weeks go on, we'll, we'll find out more. Let's drop the mic and get on out of here. And we will be back on Thursday to talk a little bit more specifically about the 49ers game, the ins and outs. And we'll, we'll probably have a guest
2: or we're, we're working on some things with that. But um,
1: what do you got for us as we head out of here, John?
2: Uh, Nothing really to speak of. I'm really enjoying Spider-Man too, though. That's about all I've been, my mind is, been totally into that game right now so no spoilers please
1: okay um i so i recently refound this thing and it was from the and i'll show it here in just a second um it was from when we went to the game in arizona and i have to give credit this this young young man he was probably about i don't know 10 10 years old or so Bengals fan he saw my oldest son and said hey uh, and my oldest son is six and a half so he, he was you know somewhat significantly younger than this young man but as you know not not all 10 year olds are always uh the most polite or nicest kids i mean a lot of them are but sometimes they're not and he came up to just completely unprompted to my son and said hey here you can have this and it was on our way out of the stadium and we're you know high five and people aisles and all this kind of stuff it was a thing that they made and it was a, you know, it's got an a- orange chain and it's this, jo- I'm trying to get it in front of the J-Bo. camera here. Yeah. J, uh, JB nine, it says it's got kind of a Nike logo, that sort of thing. I don't know if we'll get screwed on that one for putting that logo up there, whatever, <laughs> but it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. And they made it like out of uh, I I don't even know what this is like a wax plasticky type of thing. And you could tell like the numbers embossed and all kinds of really, really cool. It does say order at fdc3ddesigns.com. I don't know if everybody can see that. Um, so go check that out. But he just randomly, he was wearing it. Um, I think they made it. I didn't really hear or see the entire conversation. I just saw him say, hey, bud, here, do you want this? And I was like, no, 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 that's yours. You don't need to get, you know. And and of course, my my young guy was like, you know, he wanted it, but he also wasn't going to take it from somebody um so at any rate it was a really cool gesture he let him have it and uh you know i just thought i'd give him a shout out here fdc3d fdc3d designs.etsy.com so i guess they sell them on etsy go check it out but really really cool the detail pretty awesome um and i know my little guy was stoked and it was just a really cool thing from a, a young you know it's not an adult giving it to another kid. It's just kind of a little bit of an older kid giving it to a younger kid. And I thought that was without, without asking, without unprompted anything. I thought it was a really cool gesture. I was unpacking some things uh, that probably shouldn't admit this. We, we hadn't some things we hadn't fully unpacked from that trip quite yet. So I uh, I ended up finding this thing recently and I'm like, Oh yeah. So uh, it's going to be displayed in, in my son's bedroom
2: and stuff. So pretty cool awesome man. it looks it looks obviously it wasn't the same one but like i think burrow's wearing like a nike chain i think it was before yeah. like the AFC championship game so i think it's like kind of done off that but that's that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah
1: it's it's pretty awesome i'm not gonna lie um and uh i found that again i'm like oh yeah we gotta we gotta get this thing out here but awesome anyway uh go check out their stuff on etsy uh i don't know exactly all that they have like i said it was kind of a, a quick thing and a uh very kind thing but I saw it again I'm like hey let's go let's go give them a plug and you guys can go check out maybe go buy some of their cool stuff anyway we will see all of you Thursday and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that we'll be back also with a post-game show and everything on Sunday probably will not be me it might be might be John uh, maybe Jason maybe you guys can tag team that John uh, just because it'll be a little chaotic for me to get out of that stadium and everything so um Probably won't be me, but we'll, they'll we'll get some some of our great guys to uh, go through it and talk about what happened. Hopefully, we're talking about a win. Take care, everybody. John, take care, buddy. I'll see you in a couple days.
0: See you
2: soon.